0: On the 10th day of infant Christmas, an infant gave to me a rebirthed episode from 2018 called An Ayahuasca Story. All right, this is episode 776, Reflections, An Ayahuasca Story. And this is a conversation between myself, psychologist Rachel Harris, and brain researcher Michael Ferguson that we recorded way back in February 2018 about four days after I had returned from my very first ayahuasca ceremony. Now, this is the first time that I've shared this recording publicly. I did release it last year on Patreon as the third installment in a seven-part series that I jokingly titled Pearls Before Swine. But as I'm kicking off this Reflections series in January 2022, I thought it would be fitting to share this significant experience that has impacted my life and this podcast in ways that I expect will become quite clear to you as you listen. So, with no further ado...
1: Yeah.
0: Hang on, hey, to all your Alright,
1: you
0: right. welcome back to part three of The Pearls Before Swine. <laughs> I still chuckle every time I think that. Um, I don't really think you're swine. But I do really think that these are pearls. So, how about this? So, at the end of the last one, I kind of teased you by saying I had this recording from February 2018, but then I couldn't find it. But guess what? I did. And that's what you're going to hear today. So, let me set the stage for you. So, uh, there's a woman named Rachel Harris. She's a psychiatrist. Is that what she is? I don't know. I could probably look it up. She wrote a book called Listening to Ayahuasca, and she's participated in dozens, if not more, if not hundreds, I don't know if it's been hundreds, of ayahuasca ceremonies and interviewed people. And around this time, February 2018, I was working with Michael Ferguson on a podcast that we were doing together called the Luminous Brain Podcast. And we set up this interview so that Michael could interview... Uh, rachel about ayahuasca ceremonies and uh, maybe i'll play that one for you as well maybe i'll share that one with you because it's no it's no longer available the luminous brain podcast was a short lived project that we were both working on and i don't think it's available anywhere but it's an interesting interview you'll probably be interested in it so maybe that'll be part four but um after that interview between michael and rachel we kept her on and shared with her my very, very recent experience. I mean, it'd probably been days. I think it was two days that I've been back from this experience. And I explained to her a lot of what you heard in parts one and part two. So you get to hear her response. You get to hear Michael's response. He talks about uh, the brain a lot. And uh, I think this is going to be really interesting for you. So I'm glad I was able to find this. Sharing time, sharing with you my patron supporters of infants on Thrones and um, I hope you enjoy
2: when one of you start well I I could start because I right. was uh, in my research in my original research when I was gathering data um, through uh, a questionnaire and also interviews I was looking for therapists who were working with people mm-hmm. who were in ceremony a few times a year or regularly. And I was—I really did not find many people. And finally, I found this one woman who was a really experienced therapist and working with people um, in ceremonies regularly. And she pretty quickly said to me, you're asking the wrong question. Ah. I was asking, how is therapy different when the client is drinking ayahuasca? She said, mm. you're asking the wrong question. You should be asking, how is the therapeutic process different when the therapist is connected to the plant to ayahuasca Mm. and the client is also oh interesting and that that changes the whole energetic dynamic of the therapeutic relationship and she's right that was the key question
0: and and how how does that
2: so we have that situation here
0: Mm -hmm, okay (laughs) true yeah okay
2: where i would just love to hear about your experience
0: okay um, so I, I, uh, I, I, did two nights and this, this might be very common from what you've heard. It's common from friends of mine that, uh, introduced me to it. But after the first night, um, I wasn't going to do the second night. I kind of decided, yeah, it, it was all right. It was okay. It was quite underwhelming. Um, there was a lot of fear in it for yeah. me. Yeah. And, and so the, the, the first night I, you know, it was an effort just to get to this place to do the ceremony. Um, and I, I'm not a person that's really comfortable in groups of other people. I I like my space and my isolation. So knowing that I was going to be around about 20 people who I hadn't met before in a very vulnerable situation for an extended period of time yes. um, was was really challenging for me. So I, I, I felt, (laughs) I was kind of telling myself, good for you. You broke through that. That's good enough. And, and and, yeah, and you, (laughs) and you sat and you took a small dose, you know, so, um, the, 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 the way that it, it started, we were all dressed in white and went into a, a, a studio in this, um, in this place. Um, sitting around in circles are you do you have a question michael
3: Uh yeah how much do you want like peanut gallery commentary as you're going along as much as you want to give okay might, I, fo- follow follow your inner you because <laughs> i'm already like getting like kind of like yeah there were no green aprons out. okay yeah <laughs> <laughs> just just
0: dressed in white no green aprons but it, but it was very it was very um my my background is uh folklore i studied folklore um and and ritual was was part of that, and so I I understand the technical aspects of, you know like di- different rituals from around the world. So I'm witnessing this, understanding it, going okay, I'm going to have this experience. Um, we're sit we're sitting around in a circle, and the the shaman starts and just gives some words of welcome. And uh, for there were a few that were having their first experience, many were returned, and so here's what to expect. And then it's important to carry an intention with you. What, what is your intention? And so we went around the circle and shared what it was that we were hoping to get out of the experience. And, um, then we all, you know, kind of moved moved back to our, our mats and blankets and pillows that we had, uh, ready. He had us come up individually to him to, uh, um, give us the the medicine and he would ask us do you you want to have a a small dose a medium dose or a large dose and there were actually two different um strands or or two different versions there was a a brazilian medicine and there there was a hawaiian medicine and so we got to choose between the two and the dose and um his his advice was uh just listen to whatever you hear inside and, and be true to that and so i chose hawaiian small and, uh, uh, took it, went back to my, my spot, waited for everybody to, to get that. There was a, you, you mentioned in the interview with Michael that, um, shamans will do things to ward off negative, malevolent, evil spirits. So there was, there was a, a you know, prayer, a poem read invocation. There was a, a an altar in the, the middle, um, with mementos that people had brought. And uh, so we, we said that prayer together, and then everybody drank, and then the the music started, and it was recorded music; it wasn't live music, um, and it was just beautiful. And uh, what kind of
2: music was it?
0: The first the first song um, was a, a, a song that. So, so th- this this shaman is quite a collector of music. It's he's, he's kind of a, a connoisseur, and he he puts the playlist together, you know, intuitively. And this this first song, I, I don't know how to describe. It was a popular popular music, and it was okay. the, a song that I, I, I recognized a version of it from the movie Hocus Pocus because my children used to sing it. It's like, come, little children, come with me into the world of magic, you know, something like that. Uh-huh. But it was yeah. it was very comforting to me because it made me think of my kids and, you know, that, okay, we're, we're having this magical experience together as a group. And the first, I don't know, maybe three or four songs were very um, calm, soothing, lovely, harmonious, melodic uh, music um, about 20 or so minutes in when I started feeling the, the effects coming on, which were just like very warm, um, I started getting very concerned about the purge and uh, turned to the, there, there was a, uh, a, a few helpers in the room and, and the helper next to me, I asked her if I should be concerned that I hadn't purged yet. And she's like, don't be concerned about anything. Just let things happen, let it go. And I couldn't do that. I was just like really uptight and concerned the entire time. Once I started feeling the effects come on, um, the, the tone, the type of music changed and it was more of like a, a jungle atmosphere, jungle sounds, um, tribal chanting, things that were very unfamiliar to me. And actually, uh, also having been raised, as Michael said, um, uh, as, as a Mormon, you know, these, these are like okay, this is evil. This is, this is devil stuff. This is voodoo. You know, like uh, I started like those old memories of stuff were kind of popping up and like, okay, no, push that back. But there was still, it kind of fueled the fear a little bit. Mm -hmm. And as I, as I closed my eyes and I was just picturing and thinking, and I started feeling myself kind of being like moving up to the veil (laughs) as, as they talked about it, I would open up my eyes and force myself back and just like, Mm-hmm. So I I had this very mild experience where I was just kind of like, gently in it, having some insights. But I started thinking, uh, "Boy, we we are being brainwashed right now, aren't we? This is uh, you know a, a very vulnerable state, and it is. Um, you know the the shaman is uh, you know there there are our messages obviously in the music um, that we're receiving. There's things that he's telling us that we're receiving. I'm like,
2: what is he saying? Oh uh,
0: boy, I can't really think right now. But um, just about how important it is to trust your inner self um, to oh, so to, to love. Yeah, he's, he's, he's talking. Yeah, and 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 it's, it's a very thoughtful approach. And and much of what he said, I felt e- even before taking the medicine. Much of what he said, I felt um, resonated very deeply with me. The um, you know, so, so in, in that circle, before we took the medicine, he talked about how, uh, there, there are, are different groups. Some are more traditional than others. Um, and what's most important to him is to, av- um, avoid dogma and to allow people to have whatever experience they're going to have be an authentic experience. And, you know, when you're sharing your insights with people, they're your insights. You're not trying to change somebody else. Um, you know, let them have. And,
2: and this was all at night. It was at yeah, night. In the dark. Yeah. Okay. yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, right, yeah. So we we took the medicine probably about nine p.m.
1: Okay.
0: Um, and and then each hour there there would be a call. Um, anybody who feels called to to take other medicine, uh, more medicine can come up. And there were some medicines besides ayahuasca as well. There was um, something called rapé. Have you have you come across Rape?
2: Yes.
0: Okay. And and one called Sananga.
2: I've heard of that. I don't know what that yeah. is.
0: It, it's eye drops. Um
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah. And 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 they both frightened me <laughs> quite quite yes. a bit. Good. So so I decided not to do uh either of those. Um and um I, I didn't go up for for seconds. Um, I just, I got to a point where I was uncomfortable enough with it that I'm like, okay, I came here, I experienced it, I'm ready for it to be done. And I'm just going to sit and wait this out. And that wasn't pleasant. That, that wasn't enjoyable. Um, when the, when the ceremony was over or when the evening was over, so probably ended at about, um, two or three in the morning, we got back into the the circle and shared again with the group, any insights that, um, We might have, people weren't required to, um, Uh if they felt like they wanted to. Um, and, uh, then we went and had some, some soup and went to sleep.
2: So go ahead and tell us about your experience the second night. Not so so much structure, but your experience.
0: So I I made the decision the second night that I actually was going to break through my fear. And when it came time to approach the shaman, um, I asked him to provide me what he felt I should have. And I didn't even want to know what it was. And I would that's just receive a, it with gratitude. Leap. That's
2: yeah. a big leap.
0: Yeah. And, and so I said, I'll just receive it with gratitude. And,
3: um, do you think Rachel, do you think yeah. that leap is, do you think that leap is instrumental that act of trusting?
2: It's very important. And yes. For that, for that as well. And, and I, I'm, I imagine you got a bigger dose. And also the doses are cumulative. So. Mm. Oh, interesting.
0: You know, yeah. From
1: from a
2: small from dose, the, it's still yeah. in your system. So the second night, yeah. it, you know, you're already in it sort of. Yeah. But yeah, I think it is, I, you know, the relationship with the shaman, the trust in the shaman is, yeah. it is really part of the whole thing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I ended up um, also going up for the second time when he said, is any, if anybody's called to, and, and I did the same thing again. I said, you know, you, you provide it to me and and took it. Um, my, I, I had read, um, I'd, I'd started reading your book and went switched over to one that um, it, it just came out in January, Richard Hite, I think something about taking the psychedelic leap. And he talked about his experience with ayahuasca and psilocybin and some other things. And they were horrifying experiences, horrifying visions that he had. <laughs> And I had talked with a, a, a woman who I, who I just met. Um, it was one of those kind of synchronicity things where you just meet them and then find out she just had just done ayahuasca. And so I'm like, well, let's get lunch together. And she told me her experience where she had taken the medicine and just got overwhelmed by it, passed out and woke up in her own, you know, vomit. And so I had all of these images, you know, the first night especially that were just terrifying me. So the second night I just did that trust. I went through, I, I didn't have anything like that. As, as soon as we started, I, um, and, and also the, the second night, the ceremony started with rapé, which you, you said you're familiar with, but you don't have experience with. Exactly. Okay. So my understanding of it is it's a, it's a tree bark or something like that. And it's applied through the the nostril. There's a like a little horn or something. Um, you choose whether it goes into the right or the left nostril, and he just blows on it very gently. He said it's gonna sting a little bit like wasabi, but it's very, it's got healing properties, it's a traditional medicine. Okay,
2: yeah. I, I'm, I'm not smart enough to know how to um, access the internet, would, would one of you look this up? It's R-A-P-E, yeah. what is it actually? I think it's Toei, but I'm, I wanna be sure.
0: Okay, yeah, I'll look that up. Okay, thanks Michael. Um, and, and what, once again, I, at first I was not going to do that, but, but everybody else in the group was, was doing it. And I was off to the side and I thought I stayed here the second night because I want to be part of this group. Um, I, I want to have the experience that I came here for. I want the healing that I came here to, to feel, um, and I want to face my fears. So I mm-hmm. moved into the circle and. I, I did it, and immediately realized that my fears were way bigger than the actual experience of it, and that the the feeling that it generated was just such warmth. and the 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 trust that was there from the people that I was with that were, you know, patting me on the back, you know, a hand on the knee, like, good for you being up here, you know, we're glad to have yeah, you here. It, it was just all really.
2: That's very wow. powerful.
0: Yeah, very, very powerful. And Michael,
2: what did you, what did it, what does it translate to?
3: Um, so it says production of rapé, it says in addition to tobacco, a blend of rapé is composed of tree ashes, aromatic or medicinal plants, or the ashes of them, the tobacco. And that's like talking about the preparation. So I'm still not finding the active component per se. So it's,
2: it's probably nicotine. Mm, okay. It's the, it's, the, um, it's It's a traditional, it's slightly different than what we think of as nicotine, but it's tobacco.
0: Okay, yeah, and and I I do remember now as you're saying that, that that was explained, yeah.
2: Yeah, okay.
0: Um, And and just like a very little amount, but, um, and uh, so I... uh, I started, as the this ceremony started with the music again, I started feeling, at this point, I was already feeling good because we had done the rapé before. So I was already kind of having that really strong emotional connection. And, and the second night, people started singing along to the songs. And, uh-huh. and I joined my voice to their voice, even if I didn't know the words, just singing. Right. And that, the feeling of like the vibration of my voice and their voice together, was so unifying and comforting. It, it was like being in that Rape, you know, circle when people were touching me, you know, it was, it was very comforting and I enjoyed that. And I, uh, a- anytime there was any kind of fear that I felt creeping in, I would ask a grandmother to push it away for me. Um, and uh, And did she? Yes, sure, yeah. Yeah. So I, so, and, and also anytime I felt my, uh, myself going into like, I want to ruminate on the past, you know, like I, if, if I would think, oh, I want to see some of these childhood experiences, I would pull myself out of that and say, no, actually I want to know what my purpose is. I want to know what I'm supposed to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so k- kind of like Eckhart Tolle, power of now, not living in the past, not ruminating on the future, just I want to be in this moment and know what, what it is. Mm-hmm. And it was about love to me. And it was that, um, and it's still very powerful, that that I have so much love that I want to express. And some of it I have, but I've been held down by fears and insecurities and all kinds of these things that the group talked about as shadow. And that it, I was letting my shadow be the author of my life instead of me, like my inner self, being the author of my life. And so I I, I pictured myself as like an X-Men superhero that was just shooting love out of my chest. And I just wanted to fill the room. <laughs> you were a Care Bear, Glenn. <laughs> I was a Care <laughs> Bear, you're right. And actually, the, the woman sitting next to me who uh, is a psychic told me that my totem is a bear. So... I'll be a yeah. I'll be a care bear. I'll, I'll take it. Um, so so it 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 was just very warm, intense feelings of happiness and love, and you know tears, gratitude, just so much gratitude, and feeling like I had reclaimed myself. That that who I was when I was younger, and I was religious, and I would have these very powerful religious experiences and expressions and, and feel it that I had pushed that down and that had been pushed down for a long time. And and whatever was keeping that, holding that down, I felt it was gone. And not not necessarily that it's going to be gone forever, but that it was gone for those moments. And, and I was just really grateful for that. And I was waiting. I, I was like, okay, this time if I'm coming up to the veil, I'm not going to push back on it. I'll just go. And it never, that never happened. I never got pulled into anything or or ripped away or saw anything or experienced anything at all that would be frightening or tearing. And I just started having all of these insights about what I should do for podcast episodes and, you know, people that I should talk to and, uh, you know, having Michael and this shaman get together so that Michael can do fMRI readings on a a pre-ceremony and a post-ceremony and see what the difference is afterwards, um, in, in your brain. And, And, you know, things like this that I was thinking about and I, I had this thought, you know, I've, I've never had visions or anything like that. And as I was thinking, I've never had that. I started to see one and it was, you know, a closed eyed, Um, it wasn't like the big panoramic thing that I had already, you know, uh, expected or anticipated It was very small. It was almost like looking through a microscope that I even had to like focus to, (laughs) to, to get it in, to, to actually see what it was. And, and one of the things that, that I saw were just like kind of squiggly lines that looked like a documentary that I recently saw on string theory, which may be exactly why I was seeing that. And that, that each one of these things, got compacted into a smaller like octagon thing, all of these strings mm-hmm. and that that's a soul. That's, that's a soul. And that um, some of the, like I, 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 saw later, a bunch of like little teeny tiny faces that were kind of like scrolling in and out and um, you know, asking the question, Oh, are these faces that I wore in other lives? And the answer, yeah, not other lives. Cause it's only one life you're you're only living one life these are different incarnations of that one life mm-hmm. and 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 then I asked the question well why am I seeing this because I want to focus on now and not get sucked into the past is this shadow trying to distract me again and uh, the response was no you you've been really hard on your your parents your church leaders, people around you for the way that you were raised and the trauma that you had in your life but we're showing you this um, so that you know that the trauma that you have in this life comes from other incarnations as well. It's this karmic trauma. So you can lighten up on these people around you because they've got their own trauma as well. And um, what you're doing right now is clearing that up. You're you're clearing it up for everyone um, that you've been. Um, Later, uh, a, a single face came up and it was this very exquisitely beautiful Hindi woman. And I thought, Oh, is this one of my incarnations as well? And they said, yeah, I'm a very important one to you. And I still get choked up when I'm thinking about this. Um, And I like just intuited her life story that, that she had been a um, uh, like uh, born in a privileged class, um, but had reached out of her class, out of her uh, community to provide service to, to others and made big changes in the lives of people around her and was just loved and respected. But she, had, she suffered real tragedy in her life. Um, her three young children were killed as a result of a betrayal by one of her closest friends and it filled her with such grief and, and anger that she was never really able to recover from that. And she still continued to serve as she had before, but it was empty service. She didn't feel the joy. um, She didn't feel the love and respect that they had for her. And she didn't feel that inner joy and love that had driven her to to provide that in the first place. It, It was dead inside. And she died never being able to experience that. And... One one of the things that I've really, um, it's been really important to me. And and Michael, you were in, it played an important role in this when we were in New York together last November, talking about the the importance of having uh, both both the feminine and the masculine qualities of the mind complete and whole to be healthy. And and so one of the things I've wanted is to have like a strengthened maternal feminine piece of me. And the the response that came is she is that for you that she is you and she's that person for you and you're giving her in kind of like a, some type of resurrection experience. She's, she will be experiencing um, the joy that you experience. And so what she didn't have in her life, you're going to be able to give her and heal that and make that whole. And that was incredibly powerful. Um, and th- there, I had, I had, um, my phone nearby. We didn't have any cell reception or wifi. So I was just using it to take notes and that was driving the shaman nuts. <laughs> so, so next time I do it, I'll do a pen and paper. <laughs>
3: <Right>. <laughs> he did not like me being no.
1: on that,
3: that, that phone. um, why do you say, wait, 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 why do you say no, Rachel? Cause you also seem very adamant that that's not ideal.
2: Well, I, I would imagine the phone lights up for you to do that. Yeah. It's making a small noise. Everyone's hearing is very sensitized. It would bother other people and also take you out of the experience. These Mm. are very powerful, um, experiences you're reporting.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah, it was. And, and he, and he actually sent, um, my, my friend who is like a a training, he's kind of apprenticing with this shaman over, um, because he thought that I had needed more medicine. He thought that I wasn't really in the experience. And I'm like, oh no, I'm way in the experience. I'm right. no, you're way in, in the experience. Yeah. yeah. And I, I started, and, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry, go oh, ahead.
2: Oh, I was going to say, it's lovely. It, I mean, this is really, this is, the second night is really your first real experience. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, I mean, it's interesting how you're already reporting a, a dialogue, a communication, receiving help with yeah. the spirit of IOWAS grandmother. Yeah, and also you've got a oh you've I don't I don't know if this is the first time, but oh, oh you've got a whole new cosmology here yeah, right. with past lives and yeah. it's one life and it's different manifestations and yeah. we can heal from one life to another. There's a whole this is not a Western right. belief system. Yeah, so now you're already in another world.
0: <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true, and and it's you know so so the skeptic in me. Yeah. says, well, of, of course, because I, I have been leaning in this direction for a while. A- anyway, so, you know, like the, the way that I felt it in the experience was that intellectually I understood certain things. Um, and maybe intuitively even I understood, just at, a, at an intellectual level, but I didn't feel them. Right. And so now I feel them. And so that, that what that experience was for me was a confirmation of those things that I was thinking were right, but now that I'm really
2: – Yeah, the yeah. And
0: and it was so much about overcoming shadow, so that I can gush forth love into the world. And and this this group it, it it really does have this mission and purpose of we need. There is an urgency. The world is sick, and we we can through our love of ourselves help to heal the world. Maybe, but it doesn't. If, if the world isn't healed, it doesn't really matter because it's this journey. Um, you know, we, we are beings of light. We're pure. Um, this is our incarnation here. Um, and uh, I, I, I had very strong impressions throughout the night that th- those faces that I had seen earlier were this, they, they were different voices in a chorus that was my inner self, that was my soul. And that, there's communication that happens between inner selves, you know, that we don't sense with our brains. Um, but that my inner self had been conspiring with others' inner selves to bring us to where we needed to be, to mm-hmm. to do the work that we need to do for ourselves, for the people that are around us, and and whatever our sphere of influence can expand to. And um yeah so it was it was just a uh, I, I, and like I said I, I had a lot of of these insights that I was just writing down like okay how do i how do I then uh, communicate this with people and uh, how do I remember it I just, I just wanted to make sure that I remembered all right. the things that were in right. there um, and and i I think that the sharing of it um, and and I was really interested, Michael, when you were talking about the Importance of sitting around in a group and the way that that kind of brings up these uh, evolved instincts of sitting around a campfire with with community. It really, it, I felt that uh, you know these people that uh, I hadn't ever met before. I just felt so close to, comfortable with, like I like. It was okay to be vulnerable, even though they were strangers. Uh, there was just such love and acceptance and. Um, you know, people that I, I want to be associated with for the rest of my life, and that these are like successful people in, in the world and that want to help each other and, you know, help with this, this cause. It wasn't, uh, you know, like I, I probably had these uh, preconceived prejudices of, about like hippie burnout you know, like people that are just like doing LSD cause it's such a trip, man, you know, or something like that. They're that like, Oh no. Uh,
2: so this is, this is a group that you could go back to if you, if you chose and yes. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. 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 And, and, and have that relationship with the shaman, um, you know, that, that, that you talked about. And, um, so, uh, yeah, then, then the next day there was another, you know, sharing session in the morning and, and rather than, well, I I, I spoke, but I also, I got out my guitar and I sang to him. And I said, there there, there have been certain songs that have been prayers to me for many, many years. Um, And, and, you know, one is the George Harrison song, give me love, give me life, give me peace on earth, give me hope, help me cope with this heavy, you know, that I had been going off on my own over these two or three days. I was there to sing this in the, you know, in in the the hills where we were. And now I'm going to sing it to them and, you know, put aside the insecurities or anything and just kind of let it let it go and it just was really we, we just had a really fantastic fantastic time and then I drove home I, it was a, a six-hour drive to get there I I, I waited a, a day I, I went and I stayed the night at a, a, a friend's house and then drove home the next day but just felt like really in tune really in touch I still do you know so my my wife she can tell a difference she likes it yes and Um, she's a little suspicious about it. You know, is this going to last? Is this real? Um, but she's going with it. And my, my, my kids, you know, my dogs, (laughs) you know, I, I'm, I'm just more present, more wanting to be present, uh, not sitting in this room working at this computer. Like I usually spend so much of my time, but just being out and being with them and, um, yeah, I, I, and, and you're right. I am still very fresh out of it. It was, mm-hmm. you know, So, your turn. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, I'm very happy for you. And I'm always, yeah. I mean, I, I think the amount of courage that this takes is amazing. Yeah. And, uh, you know, my, my most consistent mantra in the middle of a ceremony is I am never doing this again. Mm-hmm. the amount of courage it takes to go back the second night and to, and to give yourself over for the whole thing even more. So Yeah, it's, it's that alone is an unbelievable story.
0: Oh, wow. Thank
1: you.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, uh, yeah.
0: And that's what a lot of the messages were. Who, who, who is it that's, that's shaping who you are? Is it you? Who are you? You know, those kinds of questions.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: They're very Alice in Wonderland now I'm thinking about it
2: mm-hmm. that those kinds of questions specifically are um non dual they're traditional non dual questions mm. who are you? who are you going for who are you beyond this manifestation right right yeah um that that experience of love mm-hmm. is is uh, if you really pushed me, what's the central, most important element i would say you hit it yeah and uh it's this wonderful heart opening that michael you and i talked about in terms of mystical um eastern christianity and the desert yeah. fathers it's this heart opening love and how to manifest how to purify that yeah. and manifest it in the world
3: do does that door typically stay open because that would be my concern is that I experience oh, I it, it's so wonderful, <laughs> and then it's like, Where did it go? How do I get it back?
2: Yeah, yeah, I know we would all like to have it. You know, I, I you know, maybe there are levels of spiritual realization where it does stay open that I don't have a clue about, hmm. but I can at least say with ayahuasca, um, yes, it fades, and then people go back for another ceremony, and it's reinforcing and more cleansing and more opening and so there's a process um, and I could say the same thing about um, meditating on heart opening exercises and breathing into the heart and you know doing heart prayers that it's a it's a practice and um, so yes you're you're very fresh from the yeah. ceremony now and and that will abate gradually biochemically and right psychically and in all kinds of ways Um, and then people say well are you becoming addicted because you go to a ceremony once a month or once every two months you're becoming addicted well somehow nobody asks that about prozac you have to take (laughs) prozac every day are you addicted to it well actually there are some withdrawal systems with some of the very dangerous withdrawal systems with some of the ssris that are not present with ayahuasca of course
1: Mm -hmm. so
2: there there is a sense of um you don't build up a tolerance yeah. to it in, in that way that you need more and more.
0: Is there, did I mean, does, does your, hang, hang on a second, because I want to, I want to respond to your question from what, and again, recognizing that I'm very fresh in it and I haven't gone through the, you know, denouement <laughs> of the experience. My, my, my sense of it wasn't that I was transformed into a different person, but I, that this, this is me. And it's like, I'm not, I'm I'm only different in the way of of the that fear and worry and shadow being removed. And so what I expect over the next two weeks is that shadow will gradually start to come back to where it was before.
2: Not n- might not be quite to where it was before. Yeah.
0: And and that's that yeah, exactly. But but the, And
2: also and also you'll you'll have more objectivity about recognizing it yes. and perhaps catching yeah. it.
0: Yes. Yeah. That's 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 exactly what I'm striving towards. With that, so I I just wanted to say that in response to your
3: question, Michael. That's really interesting because what I hear you saying is that you acquired new metacognitive skills.
2: Yes, I would agree
3: that your ability to like kind of create an analytical space between your thought and a higher thought about your thought Mm. was given to you, or that you you somehow attained this capacity. Right? Interesting.
2: Cool, and, it, and, it, and it could get stronger and, um, and be more sustainable even in difficult emotional situations. Wow. I, would, I mean,
3: yeah, I would, from a cognitive point of view, without doing too much of a sleight of hand with words, I would say that that is your higher self, your, magna, your metacognitive self, that, that aspect of your mind that's a layer up from your typical default cognitive processes. That higher self, Sounds like part of what was stimulated or part of what was revitalized
0: yeah i my 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 intuitive sense of the brain when I was having the ayahuasca experience was that that's not where the higher self is it's not it's nowhere in the brain um, and in fact the the brain is the shadow the 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 reason that um, shadow controls uh, and, and authors our lives is it's this fight-or-flight response that really strongly protects us from anything that is frightening, unfamiliar, potentially threatening and just puts us into that state of closedness and uh, you know with, with the advent of mass media and all of these images that were projected over and over and over again we're all in such a state of fear that our, our brains have us really closed closed off and that the, the, the inner self I felt was something that transcended and I might not be using the right words but transcended word. yeah transcended the brain and not not that the brain isn't important or vitally important and, and not that you can ever even eradicate the shadow from your life but having that and maybe this is metacognition that's a new word concept for me but but um having that objective ability to observe when I'm getting into that fight or flight response, w- w- when I'm starting to get that, that norepinephrine, is that how it's pronounced? That's closing me off because I'm starting to get scared, um, r- recognizing that and being able to calm myself. and um, so so I so I don't know, uh, but but i i I felt that that there was much more to who I was and what I was than anything that existed in this body um, anywhere and um, you know, especially in the brain. Um,
2: this is a really important dialogue between the two of you. I, I, think, I think, Michael, when you talk about metacognition, I think that's really a central part of the healing that happens with ayahuasca particularly, mm. where the person is able to have that extra level of objective awareness and mm. self-reflectiveness. And, and it's a skill that really does develop and strengthen. I think it's a real cognitive skill that mm-hmm. does develop and strengthen over time and, and can cross different situations and intensities and handle more of what the amygdala dishes out with fight or flight and fear and things yeah. like that. And, I, and, and Glenn, I really appreciate your saying the... the um, the the higher self this the spiritual self is is a concept that's beyond that mm-hmm. and i think that's really important and that's where you know the hindu concept of atman and brahman that that, that there's a mystical element to that concept that it is not just the metacognitive function mm-hmm. but that there's a mystical element to that self with a capital s mm-hmm. and that you're wanting to sort of preserve that Spiritual and mystical aspect of it hmm.
3: remind me, break down Atman and Brahman again. Brahman is the universal self, and Atman is the ego self,
2: yeah, no, not the ego self the as it's like the the one is the ocean and the other is the drop of water inside of us that is part of that ocean
3: okay, and that, the,
0: is, is Atman the drop of water
2: yeah, I think so, okay. right. but I could have it backwards. It's been so long that I think I that's right. I think I remember that right, yeah. But certainly it's that concept that this is way beyond our particular brain or personal history, or that it's, it's something bigger.: mm-hmm.
0: is, is that typical of ayahuasca ceremonies, or well, like from what I described was was peculiar to, to that? No,
2: not peculiar at all. I mean, you mm-hmm. descri- I mean, you're describing your own personal healing, which manifests in very different ways. With different people, yeah. but that there is personal healing is mm-hmm. is is part of what what we're all talking about. And then I I think this concept of being able to self reflect, the metacognitive aspect, mm-hmm. is also an important part of the therapeutic aspect mm. that develops. And then this sense of you didn't quite go this far, but it's this really m- almost a mystical love. Mm. And I I don't remember John Lennon's n- no it's Har- it's Harrison's it's uh his me the,
1: love, give, the, love, yeah, yeah. Yeah, his, the George his, Harrison
2: the George Harrison yeah I don't remember if that came out of the time when he was in India with Maharishi mm. did it come out of that was it part of that TM experience there there. I think they um, were on acid the whole time they were in India. Did it come oh, out? I don't think
0: there? they were. when they, I don't know. Maybe they were when they were in India. No, the, they um, were
2: a lot. Were they? Yeah. Yeah. It was um, all mixed. But what, did it come out of their mystical time? Give Me Love?
0: Oh, oh, the song that he sang. No, it I, came later. Um, I, but, but came I after I mean, he, India. He, but I don't know because he wrote a lot of songs in India that he didn't publish until later. So I
2: right. so may have been. Because it has th- that song that's, also that's has that mystical quality, oh, absolutely, cosmic love that we're talking yeah. about.
0: Yeah, yeah, and no, that that was that was a big experience um, for me as well. Yeah,
1: feeling yeah.
2: that. Yeah, yeah, and I think that experience of love mm-hmm. is very healing. Yeah, and when Jung talks about the proximity, the approach to the numinous, mm-hmm. it's that's that. Quality of love is numinous, yeah, and that that's healing in itself, yeah. And it's contrasted with, you know, what you know, if if a boyfriend is or a girlfriend is breaking up with a boy, and the boy says, "Well, love me, love me," or vice versa, yeah. that's a personal ego love. Yeah. this is much different, and it's about um, how do we increase this love in the world? It, mm-hmm. it then begins to speak to that.
0: Yeah. 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 So, Which
2: George Harrison did pretty well.
0: <laughs> he was great. Yeah. Yeah. He did a good job. So that's, I don't so know I, if I'm going to publish any of this or do anything, but <laughs> I appreciate you sticking around to to listen oh, to absolutely. it and give me feedback. Well, and that.
2: I love, you know, I, you know, the poetic phrase, trailing clouds of glory. Mm. Um, you know, there is some of that coming out of a ceremony and I'm also. Yeah days out of ceremony. right 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 yeah it's something happens yeah it's kind of magical yeah
0: um well I, and on my drive home i i called i talked with my oldest daughter who's 21 and we had like the best conversation we probably ever had like as far as me being I, I, here's here's this experience that i had um between ceremonies on the morning of the second day um, there were some children that were there, the, the, their parents were participating in the ceremony. And so they were on the grounds and I went and played with them in a little playground and I was pushing them on a swing. And, um, you know, I, I think the oldest was maybe seven, um, then a, a four year old. And, and I said, do you want to do underdog? And they didn't know what underdog, you know, you run under, you push and you run under oh. the swing, and you go under okay. them. And so you push them up really high and right. it scared them to death. And when I used to do that with my kids, when they were that age, I'd be like, oh, well, just hold on tighter, (laughs) you know, because I'm going to push you really, really high and you're going to like it. You're going to like it because that's what's fun. And it was like, I was enforcing something on them that they weren't comfortable with and they just had to take it because they were the kid and I was the dad. And so I, I, I did that with, with this, uh, with this little girl and she was so terrified. I went, oh my gosh. I don't don't want to scare her. And and then, you know, like seeing how the shaman had modeled this behavior of you choose, you tell me, and I will support your choice. I started pushing her on the swing. And I'm like, you tell me when, when, like very gently, when are we high enough that you're comfortable with? And maybe I would go, how about, how about this? No. Okay. About here. Okay. You tell me. All right. Now tell me when you want me to let go. And like, I've never been like that before. I've always been like, I'm going to tell you I'm going to do it I'm going to surprise you and you're going to think it's so amazing that you're going to love me for it. <laughs> and and so it was just this really simple thing that it was oh, a it's, it's
2: a wonderful example. Yeah. Yeah. Example.
0: And and so in in the conversation that I had with my daughter it was more just listening to her and letting her be and when I would feel the impulse to correct her or to you know anything like that is to just like suppress that and just like really pour the affection that I feel for her back to her instead of, you know, having this midrash, you know, back and forth discussion. And, and I did the same thing with my mom and, uh, you know, came home with my wife and it's just been, yeah, a nice, nice afterglow.
2: Wonderful. Yeah. You know there was ai I I've, I've been in touch with a man who's about 81 and it took him months to get off his all his psychotropic medicines
1: mm.
2: months and months it took him a long time been depressed and difficult yeah. all his life I think he's been to two ceremonies so he's like 81 or 82 his wife is 78 or something yeah. and her statement is this is the best thing that's ever happened to our marriage
0: yeah. Yeah, 81. You're like, why couldn't I done this earlier? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But 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 even when I start having those kinds of thoughts, like, why didn't I do this? Like, what what are the mistakes that I've made in the past? It's like, you know what? They, they they taught you lessons. What like be grateful for all those lessons that you learned from those experiences and that you were able to get to this point where now you feel like freed from them. Like, like the the language of being freed. I, I thought that I understood, but I didn't know how that felt, and so I, I kind of feel that way now.
2: Yeah. I'm very, happy, you. For you. So I'm you, very happy for you. thank you, Rachel. Yeah.
0: And anything more, Michael?
2: Well, okay. yeah, Michael. What would you say from a, a a brain research from a cognitive point of view?
3: Yeah. Um. So one of the things that was coming to mind a lot was thinking about an axis in the brain called the hypothalamic pituitary axis, which helps to regulate your bodily setting of of stress and the hypothalamic pituitary axis is mediated or it's um, um, regulated by the hippocampus, which again is an area that is so crucial for memory. And so I would just be very curious to see how all of these pieces of the system are interrelating with one another, that as you're bringing forward memories in the hippocampus, how that is affecting this hypothalamic pituitary axis and looking for the biological underpinnings. Because here's the thing, even if you do take a full tilt dualistic view that there is this real invisible cosmic netherland that you're moving into when you have an experience like that, there still is going to be some connection to your biology. Otherwise, it wouldn't have any physical expression at all. So it's like, no matter what type of ultimate cosmic view you have, the biology is still important. Yeah. And so that's where I am, but not in a... Not Did in a you feel like way. I
0: dismissed the brain, Michael?
3: <laughs> no, no, no. I'm just saying that oh. that, like you asked me as a neuroscientist, how am yeah. I thinking about this? Yeah. That's like, that's where, where my mind naturally gravitates is thinking through what would be mechanisms that would correlate to this, not from a point of view of trying to reduce it away or undermine the value that you felt in g- it, g- had, but... Okay.
2: But this is also part of it. Have you, have you looked at um, Joe Tafour's book, Fellowship of the River?
3: I haven't. I'm not, I haven't even heard of it.
2: Yeah, because he's a medical doctor, and he trained with a shaman in Peru. Okay, and I think he's talking about, is this the hypothalamic <laughs> axis or something? Hmm. I'm going to screw this up, but I think it's the same thing he's talking about. as oh, one of the things that mediates the ayahuasca experience with stress related illness especially. So right. he has more of a medical component that he doesn't have the cognitive neurological, but he has the systemic medical
3: no that's really interesting because for example yeah. even putting together you know some type of energy practices so a lot of people will have chakra meditations and they'll say that there okay. are different energy centers in the body and so for me um like i am a certified reiki master we can get into like a different conversation oh my
2: goodness how i fit that
3: all together with <laughs> exactly. neurophysiology, but for me like my solar plexus is a very active part of my energy body um i can look i can point to To my physical body and say here's where the energy action is happening like that's how specific Mm -hmm. localized it is for me that solar plexus is also very close physically to where the adrenal glands are located and so again it doesn't bother me one bit if all of these mental psychological spiritual practices ultimately have physical underpinnings to them they're still valuable they're still meaningful and my use and the user interface for my body so to speak still occurs at that mental level where I'm yeah. visualizing the golden light from my solar plexus chakra. You know, I'm not visualizing my adrenal glands, secreting uh-huh. hormones. That's not the way that I interface with my body. Yeah. You,
0: you said something, Michael, that I, I, I wanted to return to, uh, like, I forget exactly how you word it, but something like a dualistic worldview of you going off to a... Completely different place. And
3: <laughs> yeah. did, did
0: you get did did you get the sense that that's what I was saying?
3: No, 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 no. Oh, I wasn't okay. saying that. All but right. I was saying I, all that I'm trying to do is leave wide open the interpretive field, so that people are empowered to understand their experience on their terms, as opposed to feeling constrained to understanding the experience either in either an astral or a physiological interpretation only.
0: Okay. You mean people as in who who would be listening to this if I was ever going to publish it or just in general?
3: Sure. Or just in general. Just I mean, that's, that's like one of my themes yeah. persistently as I'm trying to delicately navigate this interface between contemplative traditions and between mm. neurological sciences is to not, again, have that naive a priori assumption that's unexamined, which is that our materialistic framework is, the ultimate or the most effective way for understanding these processes. Yeah. Yeah.
2: There are, there are some things that come up that I have heard again and again. So they seem to be um, themes that people uh, refer to. And one is the sense of being humbled, humility
1: yeah.
2: and equally so to be grateful. Mm-hmm. People often come out of ceremonies feeling very, very grateful and this sense of feeling loved and loving. Mm -hmm. And again, having this sense of a relationship with a non-material other, Um, these are themes that come. And then, and also that level of what Michael called the metacognitive aspect, that sense of a witness is what it might be called, a self-observing self, self, um, to be able to watch oneself and have some greater objectivity and then freedom to respond differently just like you described at the swing set Uh which seems like a cute fun little story but it's a perfect story to describe um integration from a ceremony and therapeutic learning how you change you you can observe yourself and make a different decision and change behavior i mean it is a perfect therapeutic example so so you know here you have this one experience you might feel like you're a neophyte mm. but you you've hit many of the right notes <laughs> <Good>. <laughs> so to speak literally yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah and for me you know I tend to be um sort of judgmental and puristic and <clears throat> pure, a purist and it has to you know the ceremony has to be done this sort of way and it has yeah. to be like this and and you know, your ceremony was done differently with recorded music and mm-hmm. and yet look at the places you got to and it, right. and, it, and certainly it's an archetype ayahuasca experience. and, yeah. and I'm very happy for you.
1: Oh, great, thank you and
2: And what I've been told about the tobacco in the nose bit, which mm. i've I've done differently, I've snorted tobacco juice, but it's the same thing. Is that it? Kind of opens up the channels mm-hmm. to receive the ayahuasca. It kind yeah. of clears things out so that you're you're more able to receive the yeah. medicine, the ayahuasca medicine. Yeah. And tobacco is considered a master teaching plant as well. Oh, so interesting! It's very powerful. And mm. I'm sure it's the South American tobacco. He didn't right. use American cigarettes to get to to this.
0: Yeah. Um, and so- and I, I did not purge on the ayahuasca either night. But I did with the Rappe.
2: Hmm. Yeah, yeah, and there are no rules.
3: Yeah. yeah, can you take like a non-drowsy Dramamine and avoid the nausea beforehand?
2: I don't think that would be acceptable.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> and I don't know why I haven't thought of it because <laughs> I'm like nauseous for six hours. Yeah, I never asked about that. I think it's part of the <laughs> the purgative bit is part of the whole thing and. You know, for some people it happens and some people it doesn't, and everybody's different.
3: Yeah, Hmm. I'm nervous even hearing you describe the purgative bit.
2: Yeah, that's that's often difficult for people. You had buckets right there, you had everyone Mm. had a bucket, yeah, so you were prepared,
1: yeah, yeah,
0: and 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 that was my experience the first night, Michael. I was so like, like, I was like. Holding the bucket out like, and and you know my helper's like she's like relax, you know like you'll know when it's time to purge. Yeah, you, you will. will have plenty of time to get to the to the bucket. And I'm like, but this woman I talked to passed out and was, you know, and of course, that's not going to help me if I pass it, you know, like that. Any, anyway, but but um, you know, I, I, I can relate to to your nerves, Michael, and I would encourage you to uh, challenge them. Mm.
2: I would say I'm I'm nervous and slightly nauseous hours before the ceremony starts. Mm. Hmm. So that's where I come from, and, uh, and, and even and my shaman. Look forward to it,
0: <laughs> and, and even my shaman said, "I I have fear. I have I'm nervous. I have fear every time I do every this. Every
2: time, like yeah. I, it's a very powerful medicine.
0: Like I don't know what's going to to happen. I don't know what's going to come of it. But it. But he rebuked me in front of the group, kind of like in a very gentle way. But I didn't like it. Um, after the first night, when. I had I, I was sharing the next morning about this wonderful, very gentle experience that I had had, and I had some, some really neat insights. And he's like, <laughs> he goes, you know, I, I don't encourage people for the first time to ask for a gentle experience because the the benefit that you get out of it comes from facing your fears. And, you know, g- grandmother will, will reward you for that, but you have to give this offering of, um, sincere surrender and sincere request. Um, otherwise it's your shadow self that is, um, like wants you to stay asleep, does not want you to, um, have this experience and is really, really good at coming up with justifications as for why you shouldn't do it or why you should do you know, and, and it's these fears and, um, Boy, I really did not like it when he said that. In the group.
2: But is that part of what spurred you on to make that leap for the second night?
0: Um it it it's it's what spurred me on to to yes, yeah, yeah. It it did ultimately. For for sure. Yeah. But 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 I I had another one of these like woo-woo experiences where I went into the 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 studio to get my mat and to put it in the car to leave and the studio was empty. No one was, no one was in there, but there was music playing on a playlist. And, um, the, the song that was on the playlist, uh, apparently it's a very well-known song an old song it has been recorded by, you know, dozens of artists. And it's, and it was saying, um, if you stay, if you stay, um, you'll have a night like you've never had before and will never have again. And we'll sing with the trees. We'll walk in the flowers. It'll be, you know, this beautiful experience. But if you leave, um, I'll understand and, you know, give a little love to, to put in your hand, but this room will be an empty place. And, uh, you know, the, 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 the experience, you know, it won't be what it could have been. Um, I, I would have been your shadow's shadow. And this is a love song, like I know now. At the time, right. I was interpreting right. this as this is grandmother this is singing to me yeah. through the, the music and telling me it's okay. And the way I interpreted it was, it's okay for me to go. She'll understand. Good. Phew, I can go. And she's not going to be angry at me. Um, yeah,
2: I, I think the lyrics of that song uh, fall under the category of um, synchronicity (laughs)
0: yes oh yeah and there were so many there were so many events like that even leading up to me being there and then afterwards and so so, yeah synchronicity I'm seeing it all all around with this and yeah
2: magic welcome (laughs) yeah I know thank you
3: do you have any more questions Michael you're just so lovely Rachel I just want to like (laughs) (laughs)
2: like, you're talking with you you. yeah this has been great fun (laughs) yeah
3: well thank you so
0: much And uh, maybe we'll bump into each other again sometime.
2: Anytime. Anytime. Good luck with your work. Thank you so
0: much.
1: Namaste. Namaste. Thank you. Thank you.
0: (laughs) Bye. Bye
2: Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Infants on Fronts. Infants on
1: Fronts.